We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. Amen. Today I want to finish the little mini-series that I had started on why we worship. You remember I had been talking about the analogies that, that, um, you know, growing up and playing baseball, I was copying everything I saw on TV from my greatest heroes, such as Ken Griffey Jr. That was the generation I grew up in. And uh, I was doing all these things, and as a young baseball player, my coach kind of laughed, and he's like, what are you doing all that for? Why are you crossing yourself and double-tightening your gloves and banging on the base, and why are you swinging, uh, you know, in the on-deck circle like you're trying to take someone's head off. Like, I was just doing what I thought was supposed to happen, but he started to explain the why behind the what's. And as soon as he started to explain that to me, and I started to understand why I was practicing in the on-deck circle or tapping the corner of the plate rather than beating it up with the bats, I started to understand why you go through these motions. There's actual purpose for it. And so I was paralleling that concept with oftentimes we can come into the house of God and just begin to go with the flow and begin to worship as others worship. And before you know it, you don't know why you're singing or why you're clapping or why you're raising your hands or, or any of the other whys. But the minute you start to understand the why behind worship, it makes your worship even more powerful. Do you understand that? And so we're going to continue this. And I want you to know I've even shortened the message to get you out of here early because of the potential heat. I, I hear no complaints, so we will continue. I was really expecting you to be like, don't do that. Go extra long. <laughs> Come on, church. <sighs> Fine. Worship is honoring God with our obedience. Yes, we live a life of sacrifice and honor, which is worship, right? It's an everyday thing as we walk out our life right? We're living sacrifices. However, worship is also the lifting of voices in song. It's the lifting of hands in worship. It's a shout of praise. It's dancing before the Lord as King David showed us in the scripture. Worship is also showing God that we will put away our pride to honor him the way he asked. Can I tell you the number one reason people struggle to worship is personal pride and insecurity. It's not because they doubt God as God. If they're believers in Christ, they believe that God is God. But it's actually being able to humble themselves and being able to take a posture of lowliness and humility to worship God the way he asked to be worshipped. And so these are these questions, right? Because I, I really believe that church should be more than just encouraging. It should be thought-provoking and it should be challenging. Otherwise, if we leave the same way we came in, we've missed it right? The, the, I preach to myself all the time. I'm always in the Word, letting it hit me personally, right? Right between the eyes, yes? And so it's a constant reminder, if I'm coming into the house of God and I'm not offering Him the worship that He has commanded, what is the reason within my heart that I'm not doing it? We've got we've to diagnose ourselves. Is it really the pride? Is it the insecurity of what my friend will think? Because I promise you, what God thinks is way more important than the person to your left or your right. Are you still following me, church? Look what the scripture says in Psalm 100. I'm going to read the whole chapter because it's only five verses. There you go. Shout, to the, uh, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his 
We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. What I love is this picture of this is how we are supposed to enter into the presence of God. This is how we're supposed to enter into the courts, enter into the church. When we come into the church, it shouldn't just be going through motions. It shouldn't just be doing the same thing we do every week. It should be coming in understanding I'm about to encounter the presence of God in a real and powerful way. Yes, God walks around with me, but where two or three are gathered, something more powerful can happen. And so when I come into the church, I come in expecting to experience God. But how we usher in his presence dictates how you'll experience. Do you realize that you hold the linchpin on how God interacts with you? You may look around and say, man, I, I, I just don't understand. I mean, that person just looks like they have this phenomenal relationship with God. I don't understand how, how you know, Terry can get to the place that Terry gets in worship. Or, or, or I just don't get it. But then you find yourselves with your hands in your pockets disengaged when you're supposed to be ushering in the presence of God. This is a challenging word for us all. It's a challenging word globally. But we need to understand that the local church, it's God's plan A. There is no plan B. Are you getting this? And so some may hear this and be thinking, yeah, but worship is just so uncomfortable. I know many people get uncomfortable with the call to worship because it may seem a little touchy and feely and sensitive and awkward. Perhaps they worry about what others of them, you know, think of them and they struggle with the insecurities that come from what others will think. Let me remind you one more time. It's far more concerning what God will think of you than the power of your peers, right? The actions. God wants to know what you're going to do, what your actions are going to be, yes? So, uh, so much so that I know that people fear this or have this uncomfortable feeling because it's so strong on them that they will actually not come to church until worship is pretty much over. I'm, oh, someone said say it, so I'm going to say it again, okay? Feel free to encourage the preacher. He needs a little something, something, you know what I mean? But what I'll tell you is some people, they know it's an awkward, sensitive moment in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they don't know how to engage God, so they just disengage by not showing up until it's over. They think that the music segment is a segment rather than part of the whole that is church. This is not entertainment. Are you not entertained? No? Gladiator? No? Okay. Listen, this... This is something that helps us usher in the presence and the power of God. He said, come into my courts. With what? Thanksgiving. You know, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Why? Because the Lord is good and his love endures forever. We have reason to enter his courts with praise. Can I get a little hallelujah? I'm going to keep preaching. So worship is not just a music segment. It's obeying the scripture as to how and what we're able to do or are to do when we come together as a church. Listen to this. As we conclude this series, I've got a few short points that I want to bring to you. I want to talk to you about how worship is a weapon. 
Worship is a weapon. Worship is a powerful thing to unleash and often the most unused weapon in a believer's arsenal. Okay? There are times in our life where we feel uh, at a dead end. Something has happened, some, some, uh, sometimes brought on by our actions, sometimes by our bad decisions, but sometimes we had no personal cause for the effects. Sometimes it had nothing to do with us. We just feel like an innocent bystander in the target, in the way that just got hit. Are you understanding? Understanding me? I really feel like sometimes we have to understand that the devil does do hit jobs on us. The minute you start making decisions for God, the minute you start making decisions to start moving towards the things God has for you, the devil just put a hit job on you. Are you getting this? And so it's, it's really, really interesting for us to understand that worship isn't just something that God wants from us. It's not something that he just commands for us. It's actually a weapon in our life because guess what? There's reason to need spiritual weapons in a spiritual war. Yes? So as I talk about these struggles, I know we've been open and honest with you, church, about the things that um, my wife Julie and I have been through, just the actual torment and the pain and, and the brokenhearted nature that came with four miscarriages in a row in the last six years. And I'll tell you, if it wasn't for worship getting us through, I mean, God, he has been so faithful, but if it wasn't for us worshiping through the dark moments... If it wasn't for us changing our perspective, if it wasn't for us thinking of the eternal rather than the temporal, we would have lost it. We wouldn't be here anymore. But God is faithful even when it doesn't look like it. Even when you don't feel like things are, you're, you're on the side of the windfall, I promise you, God still loves you and he's still for you and he still wants you to lean in and he will sustain you through the valley seasons of your life. As many others in this church have experienced, I know personally so many people that have lost children. Some of them were blessed to raise the child. Some of them brokenhearted to see a loss of life before they could even embrace it. So many have even name their children, and they'd begun dreaming and imagining what life would be like with that new child. But to have it all disappear seemingly overnight, I'll tell you, there's no quick fix for that kind of healing. It's a process. But part of the healing has to come through what we do, not just waiting for God to do it. Oftentimes we find ourselves spiritually bleeding out on the table, waiting for God to do everything, but there are things in our hands that we can start to do to stop the bleeding. Someone hearing this? We've got to be ministering to the Lord as he ministers to us. Are you getting it? So it was and still can be hard at times. There were many sleepless nights and a lot of pain. But we had a secret weapon that kept us. Of course, we had God, but if you don't turn to him in your time of need, you don't receive from him. A lot of people say, I've got God, but they haven't talked to him in quite a while. And they just assume that they're going to receive what they need without engaging in relationship. Married couples, you can't just assume you're going to receive everything you need without actually turning and telling your spouse what you need from them. There has to be actual relationship and communication. Are you getting this? 
See, our secret weapon was our worship. And I want to help you understand the greatest weapon in your spiritual arsenal. Maybe one, maybe you haven't even been using it yet. It's the power of your praise and worship. Number one, worship shifts our focus. It shifts it. It turns our eyes upward instead of outward or instead of inward. Rather than woe is me and constantly thinking about the pain that you're under and the problems that you're dealing with, when we set our eyes on things above, when we lift our heads, when we decide to begin to worship God who is the eternal, it changes our perception of the temporal. Sometimes we get so swallowed up by what temporarily is happening in our lives, we forget that God's above it and that he wants to lift us from it. Are you getting this, church? It changes our elevation. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Can I tell you, earthly things are going to wrap themselves around your ankles. They're going to continue to grow up weeds in your life. They're going to continue. You're going to need to continue to walk through your garden and weed out the problems that are in your life. But if you don't keep your head up, if you don't elevate your thoughts, if you don't lift up worship and change your perspective, you're going to get what you get. Are you hearing this? Worship helps you to zoom out. It helps you to zoom out from your circumstances to see the world and eternity as God does, as it truly is. I promise you this too shall pass. I remember when we first started this COVID season, all we could say is, I know God is good and this too shall pass. How many are thankful we're on the back end? How many are thankful we're seeing progress again? And we got more battles and we got more mountains ahead of us, but thank God we're not dealing with 2020 again. Can I get an amen for that? Number two, praise unleashes God's presence. It unleashes God's presence. When we worship God, we welcome him into our circumstances. We see many times in the scripture where God's people had the worship leaders lead the battle charge to usher in God's presence because they knew if we can get God's presence into our situation, the battle will be won. Oftentimes we love to complain about our situation. We tell God all about our problem, but we're not inviting him in to make a change. We just want him to hear all the agony we're going through. Instead of, God, I can't believe this is happening. God, if you don't help, I'm in trouble. I need you to come into this space. I need you to bring peace to my heart. I need you to help me trust again because I was broken. And I need you now. When we invite God into our situation, it allows him to make progress for us. It allows him to fight for us. His presence changes everything. Second Chronicles, it says in chapter 20, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sire who were invading Judah and they were defeated. See, what's, no, I don't think you understood. You, come on. What God is saying is if you let me bring my presence into the fight, allow me to fight for you. Allow me to be a part of this thing. Can I tell you, the army may not have fully understood why the worship leaders were in the front, but the king did. Jehoshaphat knew what was necessary. The leaders knew what was necessary. If we can get God's presence in here, things can change. 
Maybe that's something you need to understand that you're failing to understand. If you can just get God's presence into this situation, things can change. He'll begin to set ambushes. I see it like I grew up with uh, tag team wrestling. I'm talking WWF before there was an E kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? And I remember the tag team wrestling. And when somebody's beat and somebody just got body slammed and suplexed, they crawled their way over and they just ta they tagged the other guy and he jumped in all fired up, ready to get down there. And he was taking care of business. I see it as a tag team match and we're finally tagging God in. I've been beat up. I've been wiped up. I've been dropped and elbow slammed and all the rest. But Lord, I just, I, I needed to tag you in. I literally think when I raise my hands, I'm tagging God into the fights. I'm tagging God into the fight because I need you, Lord, now more than ever. Are you getting this, church? Often we want God's power in our life, but we aren't ushering in his presence through worship. Number three, because I'm almost out of time for your sake. God's presence assures victory. It's the greatest weapon in our arsenal because where God is, he cannot be defeated. He can't be defeated. There's no way. That was underwhelming. I thought you'd get excited about that. It makes the odds forever in your favor. You and God are the majority. God's presence assures the victory. Again, going back to that same scripture, as they began to sing and praise the Lord, uh, praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. God's presence brings freedom. It brings liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says this, But whoever turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... There's a different kind of freedom. There's a liberty that comes where the Spirit of the Lord is. Can I tell you, if we can get the Spirit of the Lord in our situation, if we can usher His presence into our problem, there can be a freedom that you would have not understood, you would have not known if it wasn't for saying, you know what, I'm going to raise up those antennas. I'm going to tag my God in. I'm going to bring Him in by ushering in His presence. Are you getting this? So last time we talked about Paul and Silas and how they were praising and how they were evangelizing and how they were reaching people and then they were thrown into jail. But about midnight, when it looked the darkest, they began to praise in the middle of that jail cell. And God showed up. His presence, the Spirit of the Lord brought freedom. The chains fell off. The doors opened up. The barriers and the walls came down. They were able to walk out of the situation, but it wasn't until they ushered in the presence of God. You may not want to sing, but you better sing. You may not want to lift a hand, but remember who you're lifting it to. Don't say God won't do it for you when you're not ushering in his presence to see the victory happen in your life. God's presence in your situation changes the odds into your favor. Beyond, you know, you got to get beyond your comfort zone and choose to wield the most powerful weapon God has given you. That's your praise and it's your worship. And I got no more time. Let me give you my final points that I want you to know. The reason I love praising and worshiping God is number four, my praise puts the devil in his place. I... I'm so sick of how he steps on me and how he kicks me and how he tries to hold me back. I'm sick of how he affects my family. I'm sick of how he affects my job sometimes and my situation. He's constantly trying to hold me back because he's scared of what God will do through me. And when I decide to worship him, whoo, 
I want you to know my favorite reason for worshiping, and I don't mean a little bit of praise. I mean clapping, head bopping, legs hopping, sweat dripping, voice shouting, hands and heart lifting kind of praise and worship. I'm talking something that makes my neighbor scared as much as the devil. See, when I don't care what others think, and I'm willing to just praise God, you know, I don't want anyone naked in here. But King David got naked and danced before the Lord. Listen. It was to say, I don't care what anyone thinks. This is about me and God. It's about he was ushering in the presence of the Ark of the Covenants. Where at that time, it was where God dwelt. And his wife started to blast him. Started to give him all sorts of, uh, of uh, hassle because he didn't look fitting as a king to do what he did. And David was like, oh, you, you haven't seen nothing yet. I will humble myself. I will lay as low as I possibly can for the sake of God. I'm telling you. Until we're willing to lay low for the Lord, until we're willing to swallow our pride and throw away our insecurities, until we're understanding that when we choose to overcome those feelings to worship God the way he asked, we begin to put the devil under our feet. We get out from under his feet for once, and we begin to put him under our feet. It's because every time I bring worthy worship to God, I remind the devil, Lucifer, he has been replaced. For those of you that aren't aware, in Ezekiel 28, it talks about how actually the devil who used to be Lucifer was one of the praise leaders in heaven. I know you've never seen a, a creative type grow a big head thinking they're bigger and better than they are. But that's what the devil did. He thought he could be bigger and better than God. He had too many people clapping for his songs. He had too much going on and he got a big head and he didn't have the humility and he thought that he could be better than God and actually he was cast down from heaven because of his pride. Sometimes we just have too much pride to even lift our hands to heaven. But every time I lift my voice and I lift my hands and I begin to worship, I remind the devil that God thought he was so replaceable after Lucifer was cast down that he decided to make all of us his worship leaders. And every time we lift our hands and we lift our voice in praise, it reminds him of everything he lost. And it reminds him of what's coming, y'all. Are you getting this? So every time we lift a banner of praise, our voice in song, our hands in worship, we remind the devil of all he has lost. We remind him that he has been replaced by you and me. Some of you today need to put the devil in his place. By taking your place with God through His Son. Would you bow your head? We hope you have enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.